0: Hi everybody. My name is Ethan. I'm an addict. It's a privilege to speak in the rooms of Marijuana Anonymous, uh, and I thank you for inviting me here today to have the opportunity to share my experience, strength, and hope with everyone in on the call. It sounds like there's a number of us, and sharing into the void is always fun. But I know that you are out there, and I know that there's some familiar. Uh, voices online so that always feels nice to be in a room in a space where i know that there's people in there that i know of Um, my sponsor always likes to remind me that it wouldn't be human if i didn't share my opinions but when i share try to stick to my experience strength and hope and i think that's a good uh, reminder for me because a i'm a marijuana addict so i got opinions but b you know my story of how I am an addict is really what is you know what, what I'm here today to talk about so my sobriety date is November 1st 2000 so that means on November 1st we celebrated 20 years of continuous sobriety from marijuana and all mind and mood altering substances um, I have a home group it is the unity sunrise 7 a.m. aA. Palo Alto Home Group, I think it's called, I think the official title is 7am Palo Alto Sunrise Group, um, but it's, you know, it's a it's, it's fellowship, and um, since I'm speaking in the rooms of Marijuana Anonymous, um, I'm going to honor the, the, the tradition that says, like, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop smoking pot stop using marijuana and that's a, so I'm going to stick to my my story as it relates to marijuana addiction because that was the thing that got me here and that was the thing that like really brought me to my knees and to my bottom I have a sponsor um I've had this sponsor for I would say about four years three or four years this sponsor knows that I am his sponsee so that's, that's always a fun thing when, like, I, I've lost touch with sponsors, and they're like, oh, I have a sponsor, but I don't actually talk to them. Um, but this one knows that he's my sponsor. Um, I did not work the steps for the first time with this sponsor. However, I worked the steps for the first time with a different sponsor, and as a result of working those steps, I had – what i consider some sort of epiphany some sort of spiritual awakening and so today i have a power working in my life that i choose to call god it wasn't always called god but today i choose to call it god just because of simplicity like again it anybody can call it whatever they want i just choose to call it god so if i use the word if i use the god word in this meeting don't think that i'm don't think that it's a particular god it's kind of like just a placeholder word for god um a power greater than myself there you go that's a, that's a tautology, right to refer to god as a god But no, it's a it's a power greater than myself um and so i as susan mentioned she doesn't know where i'm located i'm located here in the lovely san francisco bay area so i'm a west coast person so when i saw the the time of the meeting was at eight ten, i was like oh it's at eight ten. I got plenty of time, but then no. Uh, it's of course it's at it's at five o'clock in the East Coast time. So uh, thank you very much for uh, thank you very much for, for reminding me that it's it's a five o'clock meeting and an eight o'clock meeting. You know who you are out there. Um, so let's see. So I would say that I have a love hate relationship with, with marijuana, meaning. I am so grateful that I found marijuana when I found it. Like marijuana was just the most amazing substance known to man when it was first introduced to me. Cause you see, I'm the type of guy that was pretty anxious and pretty worried and pretty, uh, what's the word? Like I care a lot about what you thought of me. And so when I found marijuana, all of that anxiety and all of that stuff that made me so self-conscious, all those fears of not being enough, all of that, like, are you going to like me shit stuff, excuse my French, like, all of that stuff, it kind of, like, went away with pot because I could just be. I could just be chill. I could just everything go with the flow. It was, like, awesome. And, you know, the first time that I smoked marijuana, it was, like, magical. You know, it was, like, so amazing. It was like, man, this is the feeling that I had been searching for for so long. That sense of ease and comfort, that, like, tranquility and equanimity, that feeling that there was no worries out there. I could just be. I loved that feeling. And I suppose my using career was trying to relive that experience again and again and again, and of course, I never quite had that same feeling as that first time or those first couple of moments. Um, when I when I was you know when I was younger, I was told to like you know just just steer steer stay away from those. Stay away from that drug stuff because that's bad news. And you know what? Like, I kind of did. I kind of was on that path of like not even trying it. And some reason, I didn't use drugs until I went away from home. And I, you know, like many many people, I had my first I had my first uh, marijuana experience in a college dorm room. It was my first year away from home. And I had a bunch of uh, roommates who all seemed to know this marijuana thing. Like they—they they seemed to be like experts at it. All eighteen-year-old selves, they were like pros at getting high. And like they're like, oh, you don't get high? Shit, shoot, excuse me. Yeah, everybody gets high. So I was like, oh, everybody gets high. Why not? You know, because I don't—I don't, <laughs> don't want to be left out. Because remember, I'm suffering from that like disease of. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if you like me. What's going on? I, I, I've got all that stuff where I'm focused on just trying to fit in. They introduced me to marijuana, and now I'm a part of something. I'm feeling alive. I'm feeling just like, oh, my God, this is it. Like, this is like, this is it. And I jumped into this world with two feet because you know, I grew up in a pretty strict home where, you know, my mom kind of ruled with an iron fist. My parents were separated when I was younger. And, you know, I had an older brother who was, you know, kind of overbearing and kind of hard on me, but, like, you know, kept me in line. You know, he kind of kept me in line, as, as it were. In um, Before I went away to college, I kind knew that, like, in order for me to get to college, I had to do certain things that meant I had to, like, you know, I I had to do the deal, right? So I couldn't party. I couldn't even entertain the idea of partying. In high school, I was a wrestler. So that meant that I had to, like, stay pretty uh, active in my wrestling, you know, my wrestling group for, you know, basically all year round. So that meant, like, I had to, like, maintain my weight, and I had to, like, keep my hair short, and I had to, like, keep my cardio up, and I had to, like, do all those things just to, like, be a wrestler, and then, you know, my mom, of course, like, being who she was, kind of, like, kept me in shape, too, by, like, you know, berating me when things weren't right or telling me what I should or should be doing, and I had a girlfriend at the time, and her girlfriend was, like, on the path as well, like, she was, like, go, 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 we got to, like, get this thing, you know, I grew up in an area where, you know, immigrant mentality, you got to, like, work hard, you got to, like, you know, strive education is going to get you all this stuff, right? All all of these stories, and so that kind of kept me together until I was on my own. And when I was on my own, and I had the opportunity to like just do it, just like oh, I can I can just go all out here. Guess what I did? <laughs> Take a wild guess. What Ethan, first year of college, does? He goes all out, and like it was. Fun. I mean, I'm talking fun. Like we had a lot of fun. Like there was escapades. I went to I went to university in um, San Diego, and being in uh, San Diego as an as a university kid meant that not only could you, you have, have access to plentiful, copious amounts of substances, you also had Tijuana. That was literally just like a, 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 a little a little 30-minute drive away where you could actually, like, go to bars and, like, do that thing. And, like, it's a, it's a pretty awesome place to be away from home for the first time. And I took advantage of that tremendously. Now, I took advantage of it in the party sense. In the academic sense, not so much. So fast forward to a couple of years of this this lifestyle and I am like holding on by a thread. Like I am like barely keeping it up here. And I am like like literally like things are, are not going well academically. And um you see like when I went away to school I thought I was gonna like, you know, just I'm the greatest thing since slice sliced bread, man. I can I can do this with my both hands tied behind my back. And, like, the reality was, like, I couldn't. And the reality was that I could not control and enjoy my using like my friends could. And I didn't understand why. Like, how could they semi-keep it together while me, you give me thugs? I am, like, I want more of it. I'm, like, I love that feeling of being slightly tipsy out of control. And I didn't get why I reacted one way and they reacted another way. It wasn't until I came into, into the room of Marilyn Romanus, where they said, like, oh, guess what, buddy? You're just a garden variety pothead. You're an addict. And, like, that's what addicts do. And I did not put two and two together. That, like, my behaviors were very uh, indicative of how other addicts, behave around marijuana. I didn't get it because I wasn't in this world of Marijuana Anonymous. And I'm so thankful that that like I met people along the way that made me feel like I wasn't the only one that was going through this, going through this thing called life, feeling like I didn't know how to do it, getting mixed up in pot, and then like crashing and burning, and then like being lost. I thought I was the only one that was feeling this thing, I was suffering, right? And I was suffering alone until I found the rooms of Marijuana Anonymous. In, in undergrad, in college, I, I barely got out, right? Like, I barely got out. I, I passed. I got, I got my degree. The joke is, C's get degrees. I mean, that was me. I was like, I got out. And I barely made it through, right? And, and I ended up getting a job out of college. I was like, oh, my God, I got a job. And then I, I got an opportunity to go um, study abroad uh, one year after I graduated from college. And this is where I hit my bottom. And so I basically locked into a scholarship because I had a connection to an organization that offered a scholarship for certain people to go travel abroad. And I went, I traveled abroad. I was part of this. It was supposed to be a one-year program. And basically four or five months into the program, they told me that it didn't seem like you wanted to be here, Ethan. So they 86 sixed me. And, oh, what a kick in the gut that was. It was like, It was like, oh, my God. I, like, I just had, I yet again, squandered an opportunity, which I probably should, didn't deserve, but I had gotten, and yet again, it was because I chose to get loaded versus doing the things that other people did, right? Just just a normal thing. It's like, not be not a jerk. Just, like, just a normal thing. It's like, just be a, a student among students. Like, just to be, right? And like, I just couldn't, I just couldn't keep it together. And I come back to the stage, tail between my legs, family all pissed off at me, wondering like, Ian, why do you keep on doing this to yourself? Why do you keep on self-destructing with substances? And, and for the life of me, I did not have an answer. And that was my quote unquote moment of clarity. I realized, like, man, I am sunk. I can't do this. I just don't know what to do. Like, I, I'm, I'm lost. And, of course, like the rational person that I am, I went to go talk to a therapist. Therapist helped me out. Therapist pointed things you know, out that I didn't know. But guess what? That therapist didn't help me stop smoking pot. That therapist was great. At uncovering all sorts of stuff around family of origin and mommy and daddy issues and brother and sister brother issues, all that stuff, right? That my therapists are awesome at, and like I wouldn't be able to like unpack those things on my own without having the sage advice of a counselor to like do that impartially. And at the same time, when it came to like my 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 substance, like I like they didn't quite get it, and. They didn't quite get it because I was lying to them, and I was lying to them for whatever reason. But I just didn't want them to know about how much I was using and what I was using and all that stuff because I was afraid what they'd say. And finally, I broke down to the therapist. I said, "You know what? I'm I'm actually smoking pot again." And yada yada yada. And they were like, "Oh, well, here, why don't you go talk to this uh, this this uh, drug and alcohol counselor." And I was like, uh, me? Go talk to a, a drug and alcohol counselor? Uh, okay. So this, this counselor recommended I go to marijuana Anonymous, And I probably wouldn't have walked into the room if that person hadn't recommended it. And that person gave me, like, the, the playbook, right? The person said, the counselor said, okay, Ethan, you're going to go to this meeting. You don't have to tell them your real name. You don't have to tell them where you came from. You can mm-hmm. just sit down anonymously in the room and just listen. And then afterwards, you can come back and we can talk about it later. And that was that made it feel like I could do it, right? I could go step into the rooms and just to see what it was like. Because before that point, my preconceived notions, we, in, in another fellowship they call it contempt prior to investigation, but... My preconceived notions about what I was going to walk into in a 12-step meeting was a bunch of sniveling, crying people saying how much they hated life, and it was just going to be a bitch, 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 bitch. Right? Like, that's what I thought. Right? And and I just thought that's not me. I'm not one of quote unquote those people. And so I never did. I never even thought that I would even try the rooms of Marijuana Anonymous. But this this counselor recommended it i was in a bad enough spot another fellowship we talk about this as i was beaten into a state of reasonableness right like all of my best thinking got me to that point where i said okay i'm willing to try this out so i had a mustard seed this kernel of willingness try out the 12-step marijuana matters program and gosh, when I, I, I can think back to it right now. And there's probably, I think I heard somebody on the call today said, they this is their first meeting of marijuana. Anonymous, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Because when I was in the parking lot in that church saying, should I get out of my car and walk into the, that room or should I just stay in this car and drive home? I didn't know what I would do. Like I was scared. I was afraid of what would happen. And like, Thank God for the phone line, right? There's none of that fear anymore of like, well, somebody sees me. Well, I can't see you. Nobody can see you. We're all outside here behind, behind the telephone line. And so I had that fear. Should I go in? Should I not go in? What should I do? And I did it. I walked into that meeting room, and I sat down, and there were people there, and they started talking. And they started talking in a way that I completely did not expect. They were talking about struggling in a way that resonated with how I've been struggling. They were talking about the things that I I felt like I was the only one that was feeling. And it was like, oh my God, what is going on here? Like, why are all of these people saying all of these things that I thought I'm the only one that's feeling... And they're saying it out loud with each other. Maybe there's something going on here. And maybe, just maybe, I belong. And that was crazy. And I I think I I felt that. It must have been like like literally like one of my early meetings where I felt like, huh, this is nuts. Because this is the people that have the same stories that I have, the people that love getting high as much as I love getting high, and somehow, one way or another, they have been able to stop using marijuana and they had been able to live happy, joyous, and free. And I was like, how is that even possible? Like my notions of a life without marijuana, its like it's like if you took pot away from me, I think the world would have turned from color to black and white. I think, like, everything would have just become, like, boring and staid and lame. Like, I was like, man, you can't take pot from me. Come on, man. Like, it is. Pot is life. Life is pot. Like, it is. It, it like, it was such a part of my identity. It, all of my friends smoked pot. All of the music that I listened to glamorized pot. All of the people that I aspired to were all potheads. It was, like. An all-consuming thing, and like now I'm now you're telling me I need to like not have marijuana in my life. How? Like how? I I, I don't get it. it. Does not compute. And yet, and yet, because life had gotten so bad, because life had had brought me so far down. Yet again, I said, "All right, let's try it." And like like many people in the room, like it didn't take at first, right? I had to stumble. I had to come in and out and like you know, just stumble. I had to I had to stumble. And through that stumbling, at no time did anyone in the rooms ever tell me to to like, sorry, you're not welcome here. Sorry, you know, sorry, you had your chance to join our club and now you're you're, you're not here anymore. Sorry, sorry. See you later. No. Every time I stumbled and every time I struggled, you know what the people in the room said to me? They said three words, keep coming back. That's all they said. They said, keep coming back. And, and, I, and I didn't get it. Like, why are all of these people just like lo- loving me when I can't even love myself? Like, wh- like, why are they doing it? And it was only as a result of working the steps And it was only as the result of starting to work with other newcomers that it finally all clicked. Because you see, the only way that I stay sober is by giving it away. I can't stay clean and sober without helping other people get clean and sober. And I don't do this for profit. I don't do this for clout. I don't do this for... Uh, uh, uh like likes and follows that yeah. I do this because I know that by kicking the message to another still sick and suffering addict I am able to stay clean one more day and that mindset has evolved over many years um, today my life is completely different than what it was 20 years ago I'm married I have children who have never seen that addict Ethan in their lives. They probably wouldn't even know who that person is. I know for certain that my wife would not, would not think of me as a a husband material if she had, if she had uh, met me then. So I am, like, a completely different person than who I was 20 years ago. And, of course, it comes with maturation, and, of course, it comes with time. The reality is that working the steps in Marijuana Anonymous profoundly changed who I was because I was so stuck in the rut of – in the disease of addiction, right?, in in, in our book we talk about the insidious grip of marijuana it's insidious it's it like just it takes root and holds on and uh, it just it just becomes all-consuming and i was unable to break free of that grip until i joined the fellowship and worked the steps and did the simple things that people asked um I, I know that I'm supposed to only share it for half an hour, and I'm not quite sure of how far in I am, but I'm going to keep going for a little bit and just talk a little bit about what, what um, you know, what happened, right? Because what happened was my first sponsor, he and I would meet weekly at a Starbucks, and we would read literature together, and we would talk about things And he shared with me things about his story that made me feel comfortable about sharing things about my story. And that magic of one addict talking to another addict is transformative. It Like, it was the difference between um, me lying to my therapist and me being real with another addict because, you know... I, an addict knows that another addict is bullshitting them because it's the same games, right? Like that's, it's the games that I played and I didn't have to try to impress this guy because he was just trying to like share his own experience, strength and hope with me so that he could stay sober and clean. And so we did it. We met weekly, we went through literature and he brought me to my first inventory where... I had an opportunity to list my resentments, who I was mad at, who I was mad at them, what part of self was affected. I had to actually, I had an opportunity to write that out and put it in front of me in black and white. So instead of just this amorphous mix of resentments that were constantly flowing in the back of my mind, now they're out in front of me on a piece of paper and in addition to writing up those resentments, I also wrote down my fears. I wrote out what I was afraid of. Oh, I have a fear of inadequacy. I have a fear of financial insecurity. Oh, I got a fear of not-enoughism. Oh, like, God, look, look at look at this. Oh, I got a bunch of fears. Write them out. Why did I have them? Who knows? But I got them. Wrote them out. And then I wrote down a list of all the harms that I'd done. Right? All of the people that, that I had done things to that I was not proud of. And just wrote it out. And again, it was eye-opening because getting it out of my head and on a piece of paper meant that it didn't own me anymore. Right? There's that quote that we're only as sick as our secrets. Well, guess what? I was pretty sick because I had a ton of secrets. But I could be open and honest with this man. And I could tell him all of his stuff that like I thought I would take to my grave. And he was like, cool, man, (laughs) no skin off my nose, but like, thanks for it with me, and here's what I did. Oh, you did that, oh, here's what I did. And there's like this sense of like camaraderie that only happens in this fellowship. And after doing that inventory process with another person, I was able to uncover these defects of character and these shortcomings that I have, right? Oh, fine. procrastination is one of my <laughs> one of my defects of character. Dishonesty, one of my defects of character. You know, like I got I got a list of character defects, and that's cool because then what I get to do for the rest of my life is when things crop up is like, oh, look at that. There's my. <laughs> There's that fear cropping up again. Oh, look, there's that character defect uh, uh, rearing its ugly head again. It's kind of like when I did it in that situation there. And I get to turn it over, right? I get to turn it over to a power greater than myself. I kind of skipped over the steps two and three because, like, that stuff is, like, you know, it's magic because steps through two and three really changed my idea of what it means to have a relationship with a power greater than myself. You know, like an honest-to-goodness relationship, like a relationship. Like my higher power knows me. I know my higher power. It's a two-way street, right? Like there's a relationship going on between a higher power and me now. That's crazy talk for somebody that thought a higher power, God, maybe it existed, but it had zero impact in my life. And because of this program, I had the opportunity to define what that relationship, what that higher power is. I got to define who, what, when, where, how my higher power manifested. And that is like an insane gift of this program. Because now, when things come up as they invariably do, I say, higher power, help me. I can't do this alone. I need help from something bigger than me. Help me deal with some of this stuff. And because I have a relationship with the power working in my life, I'm able to do things like just walk through the fear. Right? In the in the inventory process when I listed out my fears, there's this very powerful prayer of the fear prayer. And it says, Higher power Please remove my fear of whatever, fear of inadequacy, and direct my attention to what you would have me be. I know in our literature we have it phrased slightly differently, but that's the gist of it. It's that I can either direct my attention towards this fear, or I can direct my attention towards something bigger, greater, and more productive. And as a result of just that simple incantation, that magical phraseology of words put together line by line, all of a sudden, I start to feel and experience growth, and I can now begin to over, outgrow these fears. And I love this idea that of my fears, I don't get my fears removed, I outgrow them. And it means it's a process. It's a growth process. And it starts when I'm willing to put in the honest effort towards, towards moving my attention away from the fear and towards something bigger. Um, I'll close by saying that, that this, the, 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 the decision that I made in step three to turn my will and my life over to so the power greater than myself was just a decision. The work of actually doing the decision happens, happens in steps 4 through 12. And so as a result of working this process, I get a chance to now carry this message to other still sick and suffering addicts. And it is a joy and a privilege to be able to speak in the rooms of of Anonymous because I am indebted to this program. Indebted. Without MA, there would be no me, right? Like, without the people that came before me to lay the foundation of one addict talking to another, I would not be here. I would still be out there suffering alone. I'd be probably, like, just being that same sad sack that I was up until the point where I said, okay, power or just whatever, okay. I'm willing to try something different because whatever I was doing ain't working. And I am so honored and thankful to get the opportunity to share that with you tonight at this format. And um, I believe, um, I don't know if I get a chance to choose a topic, but if I do get a chance to choose a topic, uh, I love the topic of hope because I am now a dopeless hope-themed as opposed to a hopeless dope scene. So I am such a hope addict that, like, that is the topic of my meeting. Uh, my name is Ethan. I'm an addict. Thanks for letting me share.